Welcome, and thank you for listening to this episode of Leaps and Bounds. I'm your host, Tom Bash, and I'm thrilled to be bringing you conversations with some of the most successful CEOs, sales leaders, and home improvement professionals. When I started in this industry 20 years ago, tearing off roofs, I had no idea about what went into making a home improvement business successful. Now, having met with thousands of contractors, helping them adopt technology, and watching them grow, I'm excited to invite them on to share what's made them successful, what they're doing today to stay ahead of their competition, and the advice they have for others. On today's episode, we sit down with Tom Kelly, president of Neil Kelly Company, the third largest design-build remodeling firm in the U.S. He'll share with us some of the lessons he's learned over the last 40-plus years, why they decided to enter the handyman space, and why he's so bullish on solar. We'll also discuss how they've been able to expand and grow, their marketing strategy, and their technology implementation. Well, I'm excited to get this show started, so let's go. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Uh, so I'd love to start these podcast episodes out by just understanding, you know, how you got started in the industry. Sure. Well, um, I guess my story is a family story. Um, Neil Kelly uh, was my dad, and he started the business in 1947. Um, and I, uh, basically grew up in the business. I had one other job. Um, I was an intern for a congressman in Washington, DC for four months. And other than that, it's always been a Neil Callahan, um, kind of at a, uh, uh, earlier than we wanted time. My dad had had a heart attack in the late seventies. So in 1979, I became president of the company. So uh, you can do the math. That's 40 some years that uh, I've been running this business. And um, my, my dad ended up living uh, until 1995. Um, so uh, about 1990, I purchased the company from him. And, and uh, he, uh, you know, he built a, a brand and we've tried to take it and, and build on that brand. Awesome. And, and tell us more about, about what you do and where you're located. So our um, corporate headquarters are in Portland, Oregon, and that's where we started. Um, we also uh, have offices in Eugene, Oregon, uh, which we uh, expanded to there about 15 years ago. Um, and uh, we expanded into Bend uh, a few years later and then Seattle about eight years ago. Um, our principal business is design, build, remodeling. We have a pretty vital handyman division as well. And uh, we had uh, seven years ago, we purchased a solar company, the oldest solar company in Oregon. And that's uh, a fairly vital part of our business as well. I just uh, got off a call with our attorneys and negotiating a, a almost $600,000 solar contract with a general contractor. So uh, we're starting to do a lot larger projects and the growth there is kind of exciting. That's awesome. We'll definitely dive into that here as we go. Um, but first, I'd love to know, you know, being in business for 40 plus years, I mean, what are some of the changes that you've seen in the industry over that period of time? Oh, God, well, you know, <laughs> where do you start? Uh, it was so much simpler. Uh, in the seventies, when I was really getting involved in the business, there was, uh, a lot fewer products, for instance. Um, if we were going to 
remodel somebody's bathroom, uh, we probably had two or three different faucets we'd specify. And now there's hundreds, if not thousands of choices to make. Um, certainly the regulation has changed a lot. Um, it was in the seventies that uh, regulation for formaldehyde and lead and so on uh, came into play. Um, so the uh, health and safety of uh, regulations have, have really changed a lot in all those years. Um, I can remember in the early 70s, uh, cutting asbestos board with a skill saw. Uh, <laughs> Probably not the best thing to do. <laughs> well, you know, I'm still alive, so it didn't get me, but yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> asbestos is a terrible stuff, but it mainly hurt people in shipyards and, you know, the construction business, there's really not been a lot of deaths and so on from, from asbestos. I think lead's a lot more onerous. Um, it's something that needs to be regulated, especially to protect children uh, yeah. around remodeling projects or construction. Yeah. How, how, how have you gone about navigating these changes? You know, uh, <laughs> there, there are so many different changes that happened over the years. And I, I think the, I think our participation in industry associations has been really helpful. Um, we have a long history with Mary, for instance, my dad was the founding chair. Uh, and we have a long history with uh, National Association of Home Builders and the Remodelers Council. I was on the Remodelers Council in the 80s um, for NAHB. And, and uh, those resources have helped us uh, navigate challenges with regulation, challenges with uh, land use regulations and, you know, the association here in Oregon, the associations here in Oregon has helped us deal with, with public agencies and permitting processes. Um, so, uh, you know, I, we've been real active in industry associations and I think it's paid back over the years and how we've been able to work collectively with other contractors to navigate. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious too, from a, from a sales perspective, you go from having, you know, one, two, three different options, I guess two or three different options for a faucet, for instance, like, and now you've got a cheesecake factory menu of faucets. Like, how do you, how, how do you go about, um, making that switch as well? Well, you know, we try to find in each sort of product category, uh, partners that we work with, first of all, I mean, an example is, uh, we've worked with color company a lot on the plumbing side. And, yeah. uh, so that we, to a certain degree, narrow down the choices. Um, certainly uh, employing a lot of designers, sometimes that's like herding cats to get them to <laughs> focus on a few product lines. Um, but it's, it's uh, um, it, I guess it really comes down to a product by product, you know, which windows do you use? And we try to, windows, for example, we try to, to uh, emphasize two or three um, lines of windows rather than buying, you know, not, not utilizing our buying power. So we try to focus and, you know, our premier wood window right now is a Pella. Um, we've worked with Marvin and Anderson in the past and still use their products once in a while. Um, but focusing on products is, uh, and, and utilizing our buying power has been an important emphasis for us over the years. 
Yeah, I was reading something the other day about the paradox of choice. <laughs> yeah. Just being overwhelmed by, you know, too many options and presenting to a homeowner. So, yeah, I was curious how you did that. But I guess, yeah, narrowing it down to a couple different types and then from there, maybe a few options. Yeah. And we've tried it. I mean, we're a high-end uh, design build remodeler, so we try to stick with, you know, just the highest quality products. And we're not going to, for instance, go for a low-end vinyl window to put in one of our jobs. We just won't do that. Yeah, absolutely. What's uh, what's something you wish you had known when you got started? Ah, um, let me see. I wish I had known um, just how challenging the business can be, especially the business cycles, uh, yeah. the ups and downs. And I've been through a lot of them. Uh, 2008 was a challenging one, but uh, 1980, 81 was also just a, a wow, how much it impacted us. And, you know, we would uh, get to a certain level of employees, for instance, and we go through one of those economic cycles and come out of it with 30% uh, less employees, which is it's just not fun. It's not fun for those, especially for those who get laid off. But yeah. um, from a management perspective, it's one of the most challenging things. And um, haven't yet figured out how to, you know, <laughs> have a, a terribly smart strategy uh, when those things hit. Um, it's it's uh, seems like right now we're not gonna, we're not seeing any sort of. Uh, recession on the horizon yet but i sure watch that stuff so i can think through it and prepare and um, hopefully hire people that can help that also can survive that kind of event yeah one of the things i hear um is around training and retention and obviously i think even from a broader uh, uh macroeconomic level like there's you know a lot of people are changing careers, asking for uh, more uh, in their existing positions. So I was curious how, you know, what you've seen and how maybe you're navigating that. I think we're one of the uh, few remodelers in the country that has a person on our leadership team who's in charge of training. And uh, I think if, from a retention perspective, uh, helping our employees, um, improve in their careers. Uh, so a carpenter who becomes a project manager and having the, the training programs uh, basically in the can that can uh, train them to become a project manager. Um, same thing with, uh, we have what we call at Neil Kelly Design Associates who do a lot of the drawings and product selections for our design consultants who are the lead salespeople. Well, doing a lot of training with those folks um, helps them further their career, hopefully with us, and especially in today's employment environment, um, keeping them with us as opposed to uh, going to work for a competitor is a pretty good thing. Yeah, I think that's great. Showing them the career potential, their growth, you know, outlook and uh, helping them achieve that. Yeah, uh, that's great. I wanted to uh, switch gears just a little bit. And you had mentioned this when you talked about the company, you know, you're focused on high end uh, redesigns, but you've also entered the handyman space. And you said that, you know, represents a, a, a sizable piece of the business. You know, Why did you decide to enter into the handyman space? And, and how's that been going for you? You know, deep in the history of the company, my dad had this perspective that we wanted to take care of clients. So we, um, 
always did. So if we just had done a kitchen for a client and they called up with a handyman issue, uh, say their bathroom shower had had to be replaced, um, we would do that. And what I recognized over time was that having a really successful high-end design salesperson uh, engaged in uh, that dry rotted shower job maybe wasn't the highest and best use. So 1994, um, we've, we've formally formed our handyman division. We had four carpenters that were working for us who became what we call sales carpenters. So they um, estimate, uh, sell and perform the work on projects. And that's a good portion of our handyman workforce. And we also have full-time salespeople. So I mean, over time, it is it is really, uh, I think we'll bill out about eight and a half million dollars in handyman work this year across our various locations with certainly the most important. And Kyle, our handyman salespeople, one of the people, one of the carpenters who started in 1994 in that division uh, is still doing the same thing. And he has a... Uh, a customer base that's just phenomenal. So all of his work is repeat and referral. Wow. And once you get to that point, um, it's kind of magical. Uh, that's all. That's awesome. Uh, uh, now you, you split the two, right? So like the folks that focus on the handyman services do just that. And the ones that do the redesigns, you know, focus on just that. That's right. But there's always crossover and, yeah. um, you know, it's, uh, uh, presents a very special and, and, good challenge that when a, one of our handyman people does a small project, the client then says they want to do a bigger project. Um, sometimes that's a little difficult to navigate, but as long as we're um, doing the whole process and the design and so on, like we do in our design build division, um, it works pretty well. Yeah. Um, and I know you also talked about solar a little bit and solar. I feel like I hear more about it today and I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's representative of the overall industry or maybe just, you know, my group, but, uh, you know, I hear more about it today and you've obviously been in it for a while. I mean, what are your thoughts around solar? Is it here to stay? Has it, has it, is it going to continue to evolve? And what are, what are some of your thoughts around it? Oh, I, you know, it's, it's not just here to stay. It's probably one of the more significant growth industries in the United States with climate change and, hmm. um, the impact that we're all seeing, um, the storms we're seeing off the coast of Oregon right now, I think are, you know, partially, if not wholly, uh, a result of climate change. So, you know, it's one of the solutions is solar energy, both of in industrial, industrial sized projects, but rooftop solar. And you see Tesla has a, a program, uh, for solar, uh, GAF roofing has one, um, the, the solar industry is just going to grow. And, you know, part of my reason I've always been into, we've been a, uh, had an emphasis on building grain. We um, built the fourth uh, LEED certified house. Uh, we do some home building uh, in the history of LEED certification. Um, our uh, office building in South Portland that we built back in 2001 was the fourth uh, LEED certified commercial building. So we been engaged in things related to sustainability and green for a long time. And, um, we were getting a lot, we were referring a lot of solar business out. Um, and when the owner of the uh, oldest company in Oregon called me, it was just one of those, 
you know, one of those moments. He said, you know, he'd been advised to sell the business to somebody he knew and respected. And the first call was to me. So, um, you know, nothing's in the world of what we do. Nothing's ever just a perfect story. It's been a little bit up and down with solar, but now it's really solid. We're um, having a great year and next year looks like uh, it's almost a little bit scary how much business is coming at us. So we're going to have to really respond to the growth. What do you think, what do you think is, um, what would you attribute to that? Is it, is it awareness from the public or is it the technology within the solar panels? I mean, what, what, uh, maybe a combination? The technology and cost of solar panels has been coming down for years. So that's a big piece. The, uh, tax credits that are available both from the federal government and the incentives in the, in the state of Oregon are a big piece. Um, the cost of energy going up. Um, but I think lately it's been just homeowners, uh, you know, our, our state here in Oregon and Washington too, um, there's a pretty high level of consciousness about climate change. And I think people can look at solar and say, hey, this is where I can do my part, uh, a, a small impact, but an impact. Uh, golly, my, my electric bill at my house that has solar panels is uh, the minimum of, that the utility can charge ten dollars and sixty six bucks a month. Um, yeah. That can become pretty attractive with the combination financially of all the incentives and so on. That's fantastic. I'm in an apartment right now, and I don't have the luxury of of benefiting from solar, but I I'm very envious of that. Yeah, <laughs> of that electric bill. <laughs> it's it's pretty cool in yeah. so many ways. What um? Who do you think? So for for you know there there may be contractors or home improvement professionals listening today that want to get into solar? I mean, who do you think is best positioned to enter that market? And, you know, do you have any advice for how they can get started? You know, the, the, it really worked well for us to purchase a solar company um, as, a, as opposed to just starting from zero, uh, uh -huh. from scratch. Um, so that'd be my first piece of advice would be, you know, if there's a solar company that's been around and in the uh, company's market for a while is to to uh, try that. Um, I think, you know, aligning oneself with, uh, you know, like GAF has a solar program uh, and they're a national, they're the largest roofing manufacturer, I think, in the country. Uh, that's a good path to go. Um, they're, they're working more with their roofers to do solar. So a roofing contractor is a kind of a natural, a lot of people will replace their roof at the same time they're doing solar. So if you're a roofing contractor, you may have jobs that are right in front of you that you could have if you um, had your own solar crew. Yeah, absolutely. Seem, seem, seems like a natural yeah. a natural fit there. Uh, you mentioned acquiring a business. And I, I believe you, you've acquired a few, if I, if I remember correctly. What, what's your experience been around uh, or what's your experience been like around around that? You know, mostly really good. Um, it's been a way for us to expand. So we did our first one in Eugene. Um, and the in those days, we built our own cabinets. And the uh, kitchen dealer in Eugene that was our was a dealer for our cabinets, um, he was getting ready to retire. So he contacted me and said, you know, geez, would you like to buy my business? And I had never really had that kind of opportunity come up prior to that. And uh, we, you know, took a fair amount of time thinking through it and so on. But we um, we acquired that business and it's really worked out great. Our 
Eugene uh, location is Kyle right now is just doing wonderful. And essentially, the same thing happened in Banff, um, and that's that uh, uh, old time kitchen and bath dealer slash remodeler called me up and said, "Hey, Tom, uh, I want to retire." Of course, he was my age at the time, so I was kind of going, "Hmm, who's the smart <laughs> one here?" <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but that really worked out, and I bought the building that. Uh, um, that he had, and that also worked out. Just paid that building off uh, earlier this year, which uh, is a piece of advice I would give to all remodelers, all contractors, is if you can, own your own facilities. Don't rent from others. Uh, especially, I have a separate um, company that owns the real estate, and uh, you know when you get all those buildings paid off, which I have, it's it could be a nice source of income besides the income from the business. Yeah, the pa passive income essentially, right? That's right. That's right. Um, what, what you know, if folks are considering or presented with an opportunity to acquire a, a, a business. I mean, what are some of the benefits of doing so as opposed to uh, you know building, creating their own you know business, maybe in that geographic area or or uh, uh, I guess you know a green space. You know, the, the, the really good parts of that um, are that you have a whole team of people that are already in place as opposed to going into a, I mean, I had intended, for instance, to go into Bend and um, just, you know, start up an operation. Uh, but, you know, we, we ended up with uh, two salespeople uh, when we purchased that company and three or four carpenters and, uh, you know, just essentially a whole staff um that was you know the challenges be can become converting those folks to your own company culture um mm -hmm. and uh you know over time especially uh when we expanded into seattle that became a challenge we weren't able to really get the folks there to that were that came with that existing company to to, to fit our culture well so that we had a fair amount of change so nothing's ever simple but i think it's in the end, it's better than starting from scratch. You have the company's uh, uh, client list. Um, if they, you know, we have, we of course have rebranded each location to our Neil Kelly brand, but um, there's still a lot of residual benefit from the previous client list. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit on the marketing front. I know you've you've done a lot uh, in that regard. I mean, what have you what have you done, or what are you doing from marketing front that that you believe has contributed to your success? You know, I think I was pretty good at managing marketing for many years, and now it's gotten so different. Um, you know, we had we, first of all, we've always marketed, even in the toughest times. We kept a presence in the newspaper and a presence on the radio. Um, in the old days, our present presence in the newspaper and um, the radio and so on is is proportionally a lot less today. And of course, we're much more involved with um, things online. So you know, we from the pay side, we do Google ads and all that sort of thing, and and we certainly do a lot of uh, uh, a lot of effort in the unpaid side of. of online media and that's really worked well for us i mean we have a we have an internal marketing team we we departed from having a uh, outside agency about 
oh, I think eight years ago. And that's been a good move. So we've, we've got a just incredible internal marketing staff that uh, does a great job for us. And if anything, golly, ever since COVID hit, and we had sort of a dive from that ever since then coming back. We're, I've never been in a spot where we almost feel like maybe we don't need to be marketing because the leads are so strong. Yeah, and effective. Uh, what was the what was the catalyst that made you um, go from working with an outside agency to bringing that internally? Um, the people, you know, the opportunity to uh, to, to hire some. I, I, I hired a guy who had been uh, with an agency that we had worked with. We hadn't worked with that agency for three or four years, and and uh, he gave me a call and pitched me on the idea of of us taking the our marketing inside and and uh he's been with us ever since i think wow. it's about 10 years 11 years yeah and does does that give you more control over the marketing efforts or was it never about the control it wasn't so much about control to a certain degree about the expense um yeah. we got a lot of good work from advertising agencies over the years so i don't want to you know downplay the value there sure um but when people are totally focused on your account because they work for you, um, it's different than working with an outside agency. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I also know uh, uh, we had spoken that you guys have recently either um, implemented or at least purchased uh, Salesforce. So I was curious what that evaluation is like when you're looking for such a such a um, robust suite there with, uh, yeah. with the technology like Salesforce. So we implemented a sort of uh, build your own CRM, uh, although we had an outside group do that for us about, I think it's about 10 years ago. And um, that's worked well for us, but we started, you know, the handwriting was on the wall that we really needed to take the next step. And we actually were um, pretty far down the pike with some other providers. And what turned out, because we're larger, we have to, work with a more sophisticated software for our accounting. Yeah. So we use Sage Intact or we just converted to that. So we needed a uh, software from a CRM enterprise management kind of perspective that um, would connect with Intact. And some of the other ones, Co-Construct, which was purchased by Builder Trend, we actually worked with Co-Construct for a while. And when Builder Trends bought them, uh, they ended up deciding not focus on companies like ours that use intact um which you know is their business decision they work well with a whole lot i mean they're great programs work sure. well with a whole lot of smaller companies but didn't work for us so um we ended up with salesforce and just this is just like uh, i think i signed my first check to salesforce um just the other day so <laughs> um we're we're in the process of implementing the crm portion right now and we'll probably be there doing that until the end of the year and then we'll move on to other aspects of our operation and salesforce is a pretty amazing program yeah and it's a it's a heavy lift and i'm glad you, you it sounds like you have realistic expectations on when that will go when that will go live and i imagine you're you've got dedicated you know personnel on your side working on that implementation oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. yeah it's a it's a it's a big deal yeah. um you know, this, we, we have one person on our leadership team who's 
I think going to be about a third dedicated to that and another one who's a quarter dedicated to it. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's not a decision you make lightly and it's not, it's an investment that I think is going to be great for our future, but it's, it's also yeah. not insignificant at all. Absolutely. Uh, I'd love to ask when you're not working, what do you enjoy doing? Um, you know, my main avocation, uh, outside of, uh, at work, of work has been uh, sailboat racing. Done that since the 70s. And um, uh, for a number of years, I had a larger boat, a 40 footer, that I uh, campaigned in ocean racing, uh, a lot of racing in the Puget Sound area and up by uh, Vancouver Island, Victoria. There's a big race called the Swisher that goes out of Victoria. Um, other than that, we have a, a uh, vacation home up by Mount Hood and we're skiers. So skiing in the winter, sailing in the summer. I love it. Um, and we love to do hiking too. So, and you've got a beautiful area there for outdoor. Uh, oh yeah. Oregon's hard to beat or the Northwest is hard to beat for, uh, hiking. And, uh, there's a lot, I'm not a climber, but climbing here is great. Yeah. Really great That's awesome. Uh, as we get, as we get closely, we're running out of time, but, uh, I'd love to understand. I know that you are are getting ready or preparing to reti retire next year, which I think is fantastic. Um, and there's likely several, you know, several listeners on that that may be in a similar position. What advice do you have for them? And and uh, what has estate planning been like? And and when should people start planning for it? Well, I guess I'm sort of a planning personality, so I've been attending uh, various seminars and so on about uh, estate planning and. Uh, I think maybe for 20 years. Um, wow. So from the legal side, I have a, you know, fairly elaborate, you know, we're all of a company and the property company and so on are in trusts and um, trying to make sure that we plan it well to minimize taxes. Um, from a transition perspective, uh, I've also been working on that for a long time. I have a son in the business. Um, I am not wanting him to be put in the spot I was put in getting into the, you know, top job too early. So uh, uh, he he probably will be in that spot six, eight years from now. Um, so I'm transitioning the leadership of the company uh, to our CFO. We just announced that internally uh, last month and, and uh, really excited about my leadership team. And that's, again, a long time. I mean, I have been very deliberate in choosing the people for my leadership team that I felt could carry on uh, management of the company after uh, I wasn't day to day. So I'll be, um, my title will be chief executive officer and chair of the board, um, but I won't be involved in day to day operations after next June. Um, and I'm going to take off for three months on our boat so that it's like, you know, go for it, guys. And I don't want to be, you know, around day to day having people ask me questions and all that kind of stuff. Just let the new team thrive. Yeah, that sounds fantastic and uh, sounds really well deserved. Um, so, you know, congratulations on, on, on that. And uh, I'm going to be excited to follow along and, and see how the company continues to excel. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, Tom, we are, we are uh, about out of time here, but if there's anything that you'd like to share with our audience, uh, please do. Well, you know, I think I would say to everybody out there that 
make hay while the sun shines. This is about as good a market as I've seen in my career. And um, golly, if you don't make a really strong success and a really good profit in these years, uh, you're screwing up. So um, do everything you can to take advantage of the market. It won't always be there. There is yeah. going to be that next downturn around the corner. Um, happy to say I don't see it coming yet, but uh, make hay while the sun shines. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. Uh, well, Tom, I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Um, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Good talking with you, Tom. Well, that'll do it for today's show. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode of Leaps and Bounds. If you did, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review and subscribe to the podcast. We look forward to bringing you more exclusive conversations with some of the most successful home improvement leaders. If you're interested in learning more about Leap, be sure to check us out at leapdigital.com or follow us on our social channels. Until next time, see ya.